0: of heaven, brilliant like the stars in the winter sky, joy of the Father, reach through the darkness, shine across the earth, send the shadows to fly.
1: Christ was born, and God sent us salvation, that blessed Christmas.
2: Good morning and Merry Christmas. Christmas. All right. Welcome, welcome. So glad to have you with us today. If you are a guest with us, my name is Brad. I'm the pastor here at Southview, and it is wonderful to have you here today on Christmas Eve. Man, it's nice. So listen, we still got some folk coming in, so we may have to do some SOS. That means slide over some, okay? Okay. So you may have to scooch in just a little bit. we got some spots up in the balcony as people are coming in. But we're so glad to have you here today worshiping the Lord with us. Hey, listen real quick before we jump into worship together. I just got a few things I want to let you know about. Uh, if you're new here uh, to Southview or if you've just been hanging out here for a few weeks or a few months, I want to encourage you with a couple of things, okay? So coming into the new year, we all know new year, New Year's resolutions, everyone has desires for things. So here's what I want to encourage you when it comes to um, your walk with the Lord and your church involvement. I want to give you three big things that could be potential next steps for you as you go into the new year, okay? Three Three things to consider. One is this, maybe your next step for us is church membership. Starting in January, January 14th, 21st and 28th, we're going to have our new members class, okay? This does not obligate you for membership, but it lets you know what membership here at Southview looks like. If you've been hanging out here for a little while, you want to know what being a covenant member means here at Southview, sign up for this class, all right? Text the word member to our number 910-424-1298. Text the Member to that number to sign up for that class January 14th 21st and 28th they meets during the 930 hour all right so come and be a part of that to find out what membership here at Southview looks like second way that you could potentially um, be a part here your next step could be if you're a guy are every man a warrior groups all right every man a warrior groups are small group studies with just about four to six guys together that take together for about a year to walk through God's Word together, encourage one another, learn how to practically live the Christian faith as a man of God. How do you read your Bible? How do you pray? How do you love your wife and love your kids and grow in holiness? What does that look like? How do you do that as a man? This group may potentially be a step for you, okay? On January 21st, we're going to have an interest meeting for these groups. Learn more about it. What does it mean? How does it work? How do I be a part of it? If you want to be a Part of that text the word warrior to 910-424-1298, or you can come grab me and ask me any questions that you might have. But I want to encourage you to consider this as a potential next step for you. And The third thing that I want you to consider, maybe a potential next step for you, fundamentals of the faith. It's a class we do, once or twice a year, takes you through the basics of what it means to be a Christian, okay? Do you want to know the basic fundamentals of what it means to be a follower of Christ? What does it mean to know Jesus and love Jesus and walk with Jesus? This is going to be a great class for you, okay? The fundamentals of what does it mean to be a Christian, why do we believe what we believe, what does that have for implications for my life. If you want to sign up for this class, you text the word faith to our number 910-424-1298 just text faith there to sign up for that class and uh that'll be a wonderful potential next step for you as you move into 2024 because we are praying for god to do great things in us in you coming in to this new year and those may be great possible steps for you and then for everything else you can download our app iTunes or Google Play, that's how you're going to get connected to what's going on around here. And if you're a guest with us today, maybe you're here um, with family, maybe you've been considering visiting for a while, and hey, Christmas Eve seems like a great opportunity for you to do that. If you're a guest with us today, I'd love for you to do something for me, okay? I want you to grab your cell phone and text the word CONNECT to our number, okay? 910-424-1298. Text the word CONNECT to that number. It'll send you a link. Click on that. And answer just a couple of quick questions just so we can know who you are, how we can pray for you, and how we can begin to help walk you, help you take some steps walking forward in your walk with the Lord. I want to encourage you to do that if you're a guest with us today. But for us as we worship, as we begin our time together, I want to read a scripture to you Genesis chapter 3, verse 15. All right, let's take it back to the beginning. Genesis, right? God creates Adam and Eve. They're in the Garden of Eden. All is perfect. And then we know what happens. The serpent comes, tempts Eve. Eve eats the fruit, gives to Adam. He eats the fruit. They fall into sin. And then you get to chapter 3, verse 15. And I want you to notice something. Before God pronounces any curse on Adam, any curse on Eve, any curse on us, before he does any of that, he says this. Genesis three fifteen. I will put enmity, he's talking to the serpent. I will put enmity between you and the woman and between your offspring and her offspring. He shall bruise your head and you shall bruise his heel. What I want you to notice here is in Genesis 3, he's already talking about Jesus being born, he's already talking about Christmas. In Genesis 3, the very first thing he does when sin comes into the world, the very first thing he does is say, one day a woman is going to have a baby. And that baby is going to be special. And Satan, that baby is going to crush your head. He's talking about Jesus. How great and amazing Savior. So today... As we gather, as we worship, as we sing, as we do all these things, I want to encourage you. We're not just talking about a baby in a manger. We're talking about a warrior king who came to conquer sin and death and hell and Satan so that you and I can be set free and be made new. That is who we're worshiping today. He is glorious. He is amazing. He is alive. He is our king, and we worship him. Amen. Amen. I want to ask you to stand with us, guys. Everyone stand. And I want to pray for us as we begin worshiping together our amazing and glorious King and Savior, Jesus Christ. Jesus, we thank you. We thank you, Jesus, that you came and you lived a sinless and perfect and pure life. And then you died in our place for our wickedness and sin. And then you victoriously rose again and made us new. Jesus, we thank you. We pray, Jesus, today you'll be glorified in all of this. We pray this in your name. Amen.
0: Seated.
3: Little one who was born, let me tell you a story. In those days, Caesar Augustus issued a decree that a census should be taken of the entire Roman world, and everyone went to his own town to register. So Joseph also went up from the town of Nazareth in Galilee to Judea, to Bethlehem, the town of David, because he belonged to the house and line of David. He went there to register with Mary, who was pledged to be married to him and was expecting a child. While they were there, The time came for the baby to be born, and she gave birth to her firstborn, a son. She wrapped him in cloths and placed him in a manger because there was no room for them in the inn. How fitting it is that you were born amongst the mess, in a barn full of animals and hay in an unsafe, fallen world. No palace to shield you from the world, but a full view of humanity. From a barn, no less, As you grow, your story will grow, the greater story that will be told for centuries from one generation to the next. Nations will be divided because of your birth. Calendars will be divided in light of your birth. The world, in all its busyness, won't recognize you at first, but some will realize a savior entered the world. You will see the hurt, the anger, the pride, every hidden shame and frailty, yet, you will still love. You will see true worship, and you will see some run to empty wells for a quick fix, and yet, you will still love. When people read about you, they won't see a king's way of life, but you will be called the king of kings. A king's crown was not bestowed on you, but you will die with a crown of thorns on your head as you give your life, so that they may have an eternal one. A real life. Yes, you will hear the words, This is my son, whom I love. With him I am well pleased. Pleased I am indeed. Yes, so fitting that the Son of God is born in a manger. Amongst the mess, the world's mess. You will hear their cries and weep for them. You will hear their prayers and heal them. You will die a cruel death and rise again for them. Some will see that though the thief comes to kill, steal, and destroy, you, my son, came to give them life. Just as the prophet foretold, little one, the Lord will give a sign. The virgin will be with child and will give birth to a son and will call him Emmanuel, God with us.
2: Well, this morning, as we are gathering together, I want to ask you to bow your heads for me. We've got some guys that are going to be setting some things up for us here on stage. I want to ask you to bow your heads for me. I want to spend a little time praying together, thinking about thinking about what we just heard. Jesus. Who Jesus really is. Jesus, we thank you that you are, yes, you are the baby in a manger, but we thank you, Jesus, that you did not stay that way. You you grew, and you lived in holiness and in righteousness, and you died in our place as the perfect sacrifice for our sins. Jesus, we thank you that you can be trusted in all of this. We pray today as we just spend a few moments around your word, we ask you, Jesus, that you would open up our hearts and our minds and our spiritual eyes to see and understand and receive who you are and be changed by you for your glory. We pray this in your name, Jesus. Amen. Amen. Hey, if you've got a Bible, find Matthew chapter 1 together, all right? Matthew 1, 21. While you're finding that, a couple of things. One, uh, don't forget tonight at 5 o'clock, we're going to come back together for a very special service. Candlelight service, communion service. We do it every Christmas Eve. Um, it is a really special time. I encourage you to come be a part of that. We'll start at 5. I promise we'll be done by 6. So you can get back out and do all the family things that you have planned, I'm sure. Uh, so, uh, But do not forget that tonight, 5 o'clock, come back for our Christmas Eve candlelight communion service. Second thing I want you to remember is also our Lottie Moon offering. Uh, we'll be taking that up all through December uh, going into the new year. Our Lottie Moon Christmas offering is for international missions. Um, and, and, and what I want you to notice with the Christmas story, right? So we have Jesus being approached and worshiped by these wise men, these foreigners from far off. Searching for Jesus, coming to Jesus, finding Jesus, and worshiping him. And I want you to think about something. Um, God is speaking in everything that he does in the scriptures. All right, And, And when he begins Jesus on earth by having foreigners come to worship him, he is foretelling something that Jesus is going to be doing. Jesus is about seeing the nations come to him. And so Jesus on earth begins with people from afar coming and finding him and worshiping him, and it's going to end with Jesus in heaven. Revelation 5 is going to say that Jesus is in heaven, and they're singing a song over him, saying, Worthy are you to take the scroll and to open its seals, for you were slain, and by your blood you ransomed people for God from every tribe and language and people and nation, and you have made them a kingdom and priests to our God, and they shall reign on the." Earth. What I want you to know is Jesus is about seeing the nations come to see him and know him and worship him. And this offering gives you a chance to be a part of that. Our goal for a congregation is $20,000. We're well on our way to that, but we need your help to accomplish that. Every dime of that goes out to the International Mission Board. None of it stays in-house. It all goes out. Uh, There are roughly 2 billion people on earth who have no access to the gospel. There are no Christians. There are no churches. There are no missionaries. There are no pastors. There's nothing. Two billion. Nothing. This offering allows us, as a Southern Baptist convention, to pull our resources together and seek to see missionaries go to those closed. Location. So I want to encourage you to be in prayer about how you can give for the Lottie Moon Offering. You can give either by writing a check and dropping it in the offering buckets as you leave. You can just mark it Lottie Moon or Christmas Offering um, and that'll go there. Or you can give online through the app. Just make sure you designate it as Lottie Moon Christmas Offering. Uh, and again, 100% of that will go to, uh, to international missions. I want to encourage you to, to remember that and to do that. Uh, this Christmas season uh, It's a wonderful, wonderful opportunity we get to be a part of. So we're finishing up today. If you've been with us the last month or so, we've been doing a little series we've been calling The Cast of Christmas, and we're looking at different people within the Christmas story and and, and the role that they play, what God is doing in them and through them, and what that means for us, right? So we've looked at the angel. We looked at Herod, uh, Mary, and Joseph. And then today, of course, obviously, we want to focus our attention specifically on Jesus. So, this is a time of year we can very easily just lose our minds. Agreed? Gets a little nuts and busy, right? You ask anybody, how, how are you? What are they are going to say? Busy. Busy. Crazy. Talking to people uh, as we we're getting together. They're listing off the 42 different places you have to go eat over the next 72 hours. Not that I'm complaining about that, right? That's some good stuff. But We know, and this is why you're here, this is why we do this, we understand there's a pull on us to focus on things that are good but not ultimate. Family and friends and tradition and fun, those are great things. But those things can very easily pull us away from the ultimate, for the great, Jesus himself. But I want you to notice also, real quick, that's not just something that happens on December 24th. The, 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 the tension to pull us away from the primary focus of Christ. That's something that also happens on a random Tuesday in May. Things in our life just pull our attention, our focus away from Jesus. So what I want us to do, just for a couple of minutes, is take some time to just set our hearts on Jesus. Think about it. We're gathered today to celebrate a baby that was born 2,023, roughish years ago. Why? Why are we doing that? What is the point of that? Why do any of these things? Well, I think what I want us to do today is focusing on Jesus and, again, his mission, what he is doing Why he's doing it and how he does it. So, Matthew chapter 1, verse 21. We're just going to read one verse, okay? Matthew 1, 21. Here's what it says. She, that's of course Mary, will bear a son, and you shall call his name Jesus, for he will save his people from their sins. So, I want us to take just a couple of minutes here on Christmas Eve, and I want us to look at this one verse, and I want to ask three questions, okay? So we're going to look at this one verse. We're going to ask three questions from it, okay? One, what does Jesus do? Two, who does he do it for? And then three, how does he accomplish any of this? So what is he doing? Look at this verse, Matthew 1, 21. What does Jesus do? He saves. Look at this verse again. She will bear a son, and you shall call his name Jesus. So what Jesus came to do was actually embedded in his name. The word Jesus, the name Jesus, literally means Jehovah is salvation. Jehovah God is salvation. It's in the name. Do you even realize this? When you say the name Jesus, you're proclaiming the truth that God seeks to save you. It's in the name. And it's interesting, the name Jesus was actually very, very common at that time. A lot of people named their kid Jesus. In fact, if you name your son Joshua, that's actually the Hebrew equivalent of Jesus. In fact, Mary, the mother of Jesus, would not have opened up the door of her house and yelled, Jesus, it's time for dinner. She would have said, Yahshua. Right? The English, Joshua. So, the Hebrew is Joshua. And it got uh, translated into Greek, and then the Greek got translated into English, which eventually gives us the name Jesus. And it means Jehovah is salvation. But here's the difference, though. While a lot of kids were named Jesus or Yahshua because their parents wanted a reminder that one day God is going to save us. Right? They named their child this because it meant something. God is our Savior. God is going to save us. Jehovah is salvation. They're proclaiming that God is going to save. Here's what separates this Jesus from all the other Jesuses. He actually is God that came to save us. Whenever you even just say the name Jesus, you're proclaiming his mission. And what did he do? He came to save us from our sins. The word save is soza in the Greek. And it means to to deliver someone from calamity and destruction. He delivers us from our sins. Listen to me. Sin destroys. The Bible tells us very clearly a few things about sin. Number one, we've all sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. There isn't a single person, guy with a mic included, that has not sinned grievously before God and falling horrifically short of it. But the thing that really makes our sin so serious is not what we do, but who we do it against. At the end of the day, it's not that we sin against each other or against ourselves. As much as we sin against God, we rob God of His glory. We don't seek to live for His glory and His honor. We all, like sheep, have gone astray and gone our own way. And as a result of that, we have sinned against Him. And who you sin against matters. The point of all of this, the, way, the reason Jesus coming to save you from your sin is so significant is not because you've done bad things that need to be saved from. The point is this. You've sinned against an infinitely holy God. And there is a serious consequence that comes as a result of that. You can do something, the same events, but who you do it against matters. If I get mad and punch a hole in the wall, I'm a jerk. If I get mad and punch my neighbor, I'm a felon. If I hop on a plane and fly to England and Chuck Norris roundhouse kick the king of England, I've now created an international incident. Now we're at World War III, right? Who you sin against, greatly escalates the punishment that comes as a result of it, right? The point is this. You and I have sinned against God. But Jesus came to save us. And I want you to see specifically, look at the words. Words matter. For he will save his people from their sin. He saves you from it. He delivers you from it. He delivers you from the the, the power of it in your life. Do you want to be set free from the things that seem to own you and manipulate you and control you? The sin that drives you. The stuff that you've said a thousand times. Can you count the number of New Year's resolutions you've sworn you'd never do that again? You know why none of that works? Because only Jesus can save you from your sin. You can't do it. You can't fix you. You can't trick your mind into being better. Jesus saves you from the power of your sin. Jesus saves you from the guilt of your sin. One of my favorite scriptures in the book of Psalm, so you have King David. So if you're familiar with the story of King David in the Old Testament, David... Um, he's considered a man after God's own heart. He loves God. He, he, he's writing worship songs, and he's this great king. So if you're familiar with the story, he um, uh, meets this woman named Bathsheba. Uh, she's married to another man. He ends up having an affair with her. She becomes pregnant. He tries to cover it up by, getting, by having her husband Uriah killed And then pretends like he's brought Bathsheba into his home as his wife because he's such a good king. And then, oh my goodness, Bathsheba's pregnant. It's a miracle. I bet they're going to name it Uriah. But God eventually brings the prophet Nathan to David. His sin is exposed. And the weight and the consequence of his sin becomes so much to bear. It becomes just this overwhelming weight. And then in the book of Psalm 35, I love this. As David is talking about God coming to David and forgiving David and restoring David, Psalm 35 says something amazing. It says, and I praise God who has delivered me from the guilt of my sin. I need you to hear this it's not just that Jesus forgives you. Jesus forgives and takes away and delivers even the guilt of your sin. So here's what Satan desires to do. If Satan can't stop God from forgiving you, what he desires to do is to stop you from enjoying the joy of God's forgiveness. That make sense? So even though you've been forgiven, he wants to keep you feeling all guilty and bound up and all. He even delivers you from the guilt guilt of your sin. Does that mean your sin didn't matter? No, it mattered immensely. That's why Jesus had to die for it. But his forgiveness is so great and so glorious and so amazing. He even delivers you from the guilt of your sin. Jesus Christ desires to set you free, brothers and sisters. Jesus came to save his people from their sins. Do you want to be saved? Do you want to be delivered? you want to be saved from the guilt of your sin? you want to be saved from the power of sin in your life? Do you want to be saved from the consequences of your sin that will come down the road? Only Jesus can do that. Have you been set free by Jesus? What does Jesus do? He saves us from our sin. But the second thing I want you to see is who he does it for. Look at the verse again, verse 21. She will bear a son, he shall call his name Jesus, for he will save his people from their sin who does he save from their sin his people so here's my question who are his people how many of us read that and go okay he saves his people from their sin and you immediately go ro ro i don't know if i'm his people like i don't feel like a people of god when he's talking about the jews he's talking about this like what's he talking about here I love the fact that he says his people. He doesn't say he saves the Jewish people. He saves his people. He came to his own, his own did not know him. This wasn't just about the Jewish people. He saves his people from their sin. Well, who are his people? I want you to know, this is so good, who you are and where you're from and the clothes you wear and all of that, who your parents are, none of that determines whether or not you're Jesus' people that he saves. The matter is your heart. Your heart in your response to this Jesus that came to die for your sin. Listen to what the scriptures would say. In John 60, verse 40, he says this, For this is the will of my Father, Jesus is saying, that everyone who looks on the Son and believes in him should have eternal life. Jesus desires you to be his people. Jesus desires you to see him, turn to him, turn away from your sin, trust in him for salvation, and be saved. In Isaiah 45, verse 22, it says, God is speaking, and it says, Turn to me and be saved, all the ends of the earth, for I am God and there is no other. Listen to what he says there again into Isaiah 45. Turn to me and be saved, all the ends of the earth. Who's included in that? Everyone. You know what that means? Listen to me very carefully. You have not out the grace of God. I know we've got a ton of people in this room that I do not know personally. And I know we have a ton of people in this room that probably have some crazy stories. I want you to hear me. There's no one in this room who has out sinned the grace of God. No one. Turn to me and be saved. All the ends of the earth. Everyone. Everyone. That includes you. So my question for you is this. Have you turned to God and been saved? Have you turned away from your sin and away from yourself and away from this world and look to Jesus and ask Jesus to save you and make you new? Have you been saved? I love if you've been around here for long, um, you would know this is the part of the sermon where I put in a Spurgeon quote. So I'm a huge Charles Spurgeon fan. Charles Spurgeon was um, a 19th century pastor in England. Um, I named one of my kids after him. That's how you know you're a fan. That's why I haven't named one of my kids Judas, right? You, you name your kids after the people you like. So, so I named one of my kids after Spurgeon. Psalm 45, 22. This was the sermon that was being preached when Charles Spurgeon got saved. And it's such an amazing story. Um, so it was a snowy day in England, and young Spurgeon, he was a teenager, he was traveling, and it got snowy, and he couldn't go any farther. And so he found a church that was open. And actually, the pastor got snowed in. The pastor couldn't make it to church that day. And so one of the lay leaders, one of the men, they weren't going to have a sermon. They weren't going to do anything. They were like, well, let's just go home. And then this kid walks in, and the guy's like, well, I feel like we should do something. So he stood up and he read this verse. Isaiah 45, Turn to me and be saved, all the ends of the earth. For I am God and there is no other. And Spurgeon said, he looked directly at me like I was the only person in the room. And said, have you really turned to God and been saved? Have you turned? In order to come to God, there must be a turning. That means you are no longer going that direction. And you are now intentionally flipping it and going the opposite direction. It's an acknowledgement that I'm going the wrong way. I'm going my way down my path. I am one of the sheep who have gone astray from shepherd God. I have gone after my own way. I have to turn from that and turn back to him because I realize he is God and I am not. And I want him. And I believe that if I turn to him. He'll save me. Have you turned to him? Jesus came to save his people from their sin. Are you one of Jesus' people? Have you in your heart turned to him and said, Jesus, I belong to you. Make me one of yours. Jesus, I need you. Make me one of yours. Forgive me of my sin. Please make me one of your people. Have you done that? So then how does he do this? If he came to save his people from their sin, and he makes it possible for you and I to be one of his people, how does he save us? Through the cross. Again, Jesus did not stay a baby in a manger. The whole point of Christmas is that Jesus came to earth, and he meets us in our sin for the purpose of saving us from our sin. And he went to the cross for my sin and my shame and my guilt and my punishment so that I can be saved. And did the same thing for you. Have you trusted in Jesus for salvation? Are you one of Jesus' people? Today I want you to ask that question of yourself. Am I one of Jesus' people? Have I confessed that I am a sinner and have I trusted completely in Jesus to save me from my sin? Listen to me very carefully. I'm not asking you if there was ever a day in your life where you walked down an aisle, grabbed a pastor's hand, and repeated a prayer. I'm not asking you that. Because if you look at Matthew 1:21, there's ownership there. Jesus came to save his people. There's ownership. Is Jesus the Lord of your life? Is Jesus your king? Is Jesus your master? Have you submitted your whole self to him? Simply repeating a prayer does not make you one of Jesus' people. Turning from yourself and turning from your sin and turning from this world and trusting in Christ to be your Lord and Savior and master in all, that is what makes you his people. Have you done that? Have you done that? Jesus comes. To save his people from their sin. Have you trusted him for this? The whole point of Christmas is that God has come to earth to be with us. Literally, God with us. Emmanuel, come to earth to, to, to live among us and meet us in the midst of our sin and pain and shame and guilt and junk so that he can take that from us and make us new. Have you been made new by Jesus? I can't think of a better way to spend your Christmas Eve than by today, trusting by faith in Jesus Christ to make you new. Jesus came to save his people from their sins. Have you done that? You know, as we end our time here this morning, I want to ask, we're going to do a special thing here up front. If you're a part of that, I'm asking you just to go ahead and come on up, guys. Get in place. And as you're getting set, I want you just to just consider this question in your mind. Have I truly trusted by faith in Jesus to be my Savior and to make me new? Am I his people? Or am I just simply going through the motions, doing what I know I need to do, I should do, but not truly trusting in him? I want to encourage you. Take some time here this morning. As we worship together, hearing song, watching what God is doing, let the Lord speak to your heart in this. Lord God, we thank you. We thank you, Jesus, that you are our Savior, our Lord, our King. We love you. We pray today, all over this room, Jesus, that you would speak to hearts, that we would see, Jesus, who you are. That all over this room, right here, right now, today, we would trust by faith in you, be changed by you, be made new. Jesus, we thank you. We love you. We pray this in your name. Amen.
0: still so small. Someday you're gonna stretch them out.
2: You know, it can feel like sometimes life is in a million pieces and you don't know how it all fits together. And you hear things like, God is with you. You hear things like Jesus says in Matthew 28, I'll never leave you and I'll never forsake you, all the way to the end of the age. You hear things like that, but sometimes our life can be so crazy. Sometimes things in our life can can cut some pieces off and we don't know how it all fits together. The whole point of Christmas is to be the reminder that no matter, how, even though we can't see and understand, even though it doesn't make sense to us, Jesus promises he works all things together for good and all the pieces come together. I want to ask you to bow your heads for me one more time as we end our time together. And this morning on Christmas Eve, Maybe all the pieces have come together in your hearts to bring you here to this point right now. And today is a day that you need to become one of Jesus' people. You need to trust by faith in Jesus Christ today to save you and make you new. You've been going your own way. But now it's time. God has called out and he says, turn to me and I will save you. Jesus Christ, yes, came as a baby, but then he grew into a man perfect and sinless, and he died on the cross for your sin so that you can be saved from that sin and be made one of his people. Today, if that is your desire, to trust by faith in Jesus to save you and make you new right where you are, I want to encourage you just to do that right now. Just say, Jesus Christ, I know that I'm a sinner. I know that I've gone my own way. I ask you, Jesus, today, save me. You died for my sin, save me. If today that is your prayer, we want to know this. We want to help you. We want to encourage you. We want to help you walk and understand the next steps of what it means to be one of Jesus' people and live as one of Jesus' people. Please either tell the person that you came with, come up and tell us. I'd love to know so we can pray for you and encourage you and bless you. Jesus, we thank you. We thank you, Jesus, that you have come to save us from our sin. Jesus, we thank you that you are Jehovah's salvation. You are the God who saves and that you came to deliver us and make us new. Save us from our sins. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. I pray today all over this room there are people that are coming to faith in you, Jesus, that are seeing you for who you are. And are trusting by faith in you and turning to you. And I pray, God, that those little seeds of faith will be planted and grow into amazing fruit for your glory. Do this in us, Jesus. We love you. Thank you. Thank you. We pray this in your name. Amen. God bless you guys. We love you. We'll see you tonight at 5 o'clock. Merry Christmas. Bow
0: to, babe, on bended knee, the Savior of humanity.